Welcome to 27 Speaks, a weekly podcast with the staff of the Express News Group who share their insights into the latest stories making news on the East End of Long Island. 27 Speaks is sponsored by the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Corderaro. Strong advocacy and attentive counsel. Be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com And we are recording. Yes, we are, Bill. We're winding down. It's <laughs> August. And it really feels like it, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> Everything's kind of like uh, just coming to just just ready. We're like ready for the kids to be back in school. We're ready for the weather to get a little cooler. Just ready. Just ready. So. Ready to stop mowing my lawn. Yeah. Yeah. Ready for everybody to really be excited about coming on the podcast again, which is what we're doing at this particular moment. So. Um, so that was Bill Sutton, the voice you heard at the top of the podcast. How are you doing, Bill? Good, Annette. I'm Bill Sutton. I'm the managing editor of the Express News Group. And I'm Annette Hinkle, and I'm the arts and living editor of the Express News Group. And we um, thought we'd do a wildlife discussion today. So joining us today is Tom Gogola. And Tom is a new reporter who joined us recently. And he's been out and about and covering some really interesting stories, including the one that we're going to be talking about, which involves local wildlife. And also joining us is a woman that Tom had interviewed in his story this week, and that's Missy Hargraves. And Missy works with the Evelyn Alexander Wildlife Rescue Center in Hampton Bays. And she was called in to help with a wildlife situation that we had recently in Watermill. So Tom, do you want to jump in and introduce the story? And then we could bring Missy in to talk about what an interesting animal rescue we had going on in Watermill. Sure. So um, this story started out as uh, a woman by the name of Judith Sherman was leaving messages with us saying there's while this was happening, saying that there was this incredible human interest story unfolding near her home in Watermill. And she had spotted thinking that she had spotted, um, as she recollected, a bald eagle, which she had seen recently in the area, a very large bird flying into a tree across the bay, about a mile across the bay, apparently. Meacock's Bay. And she, something didn't seem right. Um, the bird appeared to be hanging upside down and flapping its wings. And she thought at first she believed it might have been some kind of mating call or something that he's trying to attract a female, but then realized that something was horribly amiss. And then she sprang to action, made some calls, and eventually got connected with Missy, who really was the person who lit up the switchboard, so to speak, to get first responders on scene and along with um, herself. And um, as she will tell you, numerous people from the neighborhood and and else and, and, and firefighters from two different agencies. And they were there for hours, seemingly. On a very rainy day. On a very rainy day, trying to figure out how the heck to get this bird that was in clear distress, hanging from a tree, somewhere between 50 and 80 feet up in the tree on a dead branch that they couldn't get the cherry picker in there to get it off. They couldn't get a ladder in there and eventually utilized um, a fishing pole <laughs> to get the, to, to break the branch and get the bird tumbling down to the ground wow. where Missy then sprung into action. And she'll tell you as her kind of role with the, uh, I think you've been a long-term volunteer there as kind of the go-to person to, uh, who takes the animals and has the skills to secure them safely and then transport the animal to the hospital uh, that's associated with the with the wildlife center 
And, and 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 just to be clear, it wasn't an eagle that Mrs. Sherman had originally thought it was a it was an osprey. It was an it was a pterodactyl, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was an osprey. And um, it was an osprey, beautiful bird. The photo that we ran yeah. is absolutely beautiful. I mean, the bird itself is like very emotional in the photo. You can tell. Yeah, that's true. I'm, project I'm projecting here. You're right, though. I think it's also interesting that it was a fishing pole that kind of saved the bird because at the same time, it may have been a fishing pole that put the bird in such distress to begin with. Mm -hmm. Isn't that, Correct. Is that right, Missy? Yes, absolutely. It is ironic that that's uh, what ended up saving the bird. And I just want to give a big shout out to Tom for for writing the story. And um, it's so important to get the word out there because oftentimes people don't know that there is a group of people, volunteers out there who will come at, uh, you know, at our earliest convenience to, to help you, whether it's a, a deer or a mouse or, you know, any animal that we can, we will send somebody to help you, uh, even if it's putting a fledgling back in a nest, Aww. which by the way, old wives tale that the mothers will reject a fledgling that's been put back in the nest they will the moms will take the the fledgings back but so tom thank you for doing the article and helping uh, raise awareness of you know what we do for the wildlife out here on long island of course and uh, um, we are the only wildlife hospital on the east end so um it's it's very helpful that that you wrote the story so thank you well thank you and it's also must be said in your uh, to your credit missy that and i don't think i worked this into the article that you know when you got into your car it was really in the middle of the trade parade so it was really like oh yeah you know a kind of a stressful time to be getting in a car in any event back uh -huh. in the east end so kudos to you for you know i don't know popping a xanax or two and getting in the car and, <laughs> Thank you. and jumping out there to the scene or just taking a deep breath or whatever you did I, I so wanted to have a siren at that moment. Just like, yeah. So do you guys find that you get more calls, Missy, in the summer? Um, I'm just wondering if, it, you know, are people, just more people out here noticing wildlife in distress? That's exactly right. There are more people to report the incidents. Um, unfortunately, there's also more people out here who cause problems, uh, mostly deer, uh, things that are being hit by automobiles. Um, and then in the spring and summer, we have more, uh, you know, young fawns, fledglings. There's just more life um, being, mm -hmm. uh, you know, born out here at, at the, in the spring and, and summer. How long have you been doing this for, uh, Missy? Um, I came on board around 2000. And uh, what I do, I'm not a vet. Uh, I'm a volunteer. Most of us are volunteers. And uh, I, I say that I'm kind of like the, uh, an ambulance driver. I go to the uh, location, assess the situation, try and uh, determine if the animal is indeed in stress, because sometimes they're not, um, and, and just need to be, like I said, put back in the nest. Or um, I once had someone call me about a swan that had escaped uh, or had gotten trapped inside of her yard. And basically, she just needed me to come and pick it up and move it. Ooh. So, you know, Anything like that, we will come and do. And in this instance, so, so the osprey had gotten tangled in, in fishing line. I think we had alluded to that, but... There was rope also wrapped around the, yeah. at the bird's leg, apparently to the a point where the, like, uh, like the rope had actually... 
the, the flesh had actually started to grow around the rope. That's how long it had been there for. Yeah. Oh. Was the rope attached to the fishing line or was it this bird had gotten entangled in a couple of different pieces of um, rope and, and fishing line, different, like unrelated? You know, it, it was hard to see because it was just a one, it was raining like crazy and it was just a big mass of uh, like a, a, a thin nylon rope with some uh, fishing uh, wire in there or fishing line as well. It was just a big uh, massive ball of stuff. <laughs> and you have no idea how long it had been on um, the bird's leg based on the injury of it? No, I, I, I wouldn't know. Um, but the bird had been attached to that branch. I think Mrs. Sherman had seen it around 10 in the morning and I dropped it off at the hospital around 6.45. So that bird had been up there for a very long time. Wow. So, so what did you think when you first showed up? Were you like, oh, okay, I've never seen anything quite like this. I mean, was this a very like unusual situation for you to have found yourself in, in terms of rescue? Well, I've done... I've done other osprey rescues before, but, you know, using a ladder. And when I spoke to Mrs. Sherman on the phone, I said, you know, I'll just climb up the tree. And she said, oh, no, you won't. <laughs> really, really high. And, um, yeah, it was, it was, uh, I, I had not been in a situation like that before because it was just the, the height. And we couldn't get the, uh, the fire trucks onto the property to use the cherry picker. So um, literally I was just saying to, to Tom that uh, there were about 15 of us, two fire departments from uh, Bridgehampton and um, Southampton, two fire departments, two trucks, some other uh, emergency type vehicles and uh, some neighborhood kids and some neighbors, about 15 of us standing around in the rain, looking up, trying to figure out how in the world are we going to get this bird down? Um, I mean, we, we tried throwing up a, a rope, like a sturdy rope with a, a weight on it. We couldn't throw it up high enough. You're trying to basically break the, because the branch seemed kind of dead. Yes. So the idea was to maybe pull the branch down with the bird. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. The, the tree was mostly dead, I would say. So yeah. there was, even, even if we did have a ladder that was high enough, it was too unstable. And just yeah. to see this bird hanging up upside down, flapping, and knowing that it would not survive if we did no. not down and get it down fast. And someone yeah. had the genius idea of, you know, using the fishing pole, but no one had a fishing pole right then and there. So we had to go look for a fishing pole. So and the idea was that you were going to use the fishing pole to cast like a heavy object over the branch and then yank it. Is that the theory? That's that's exactly what they did. Yes. Wow. So it's good. It's a good thing that you not only had fire firefighters there who know how to do that stuff, but also a lot of East End fishermen, no doubt, were probably standing around as they were waiting <laughs> to figure out what to do. Right. Right. And I, I have to give a huge shout out also to the volunteer fire department um, members, um, one of whom um, I, I know uh, because she also does rescue, Kelly Gang. Um, they they came out and they stood in a rainy, rainy, rainy day, just, you know, volunteering their time and their efforts and their know-how to save this bird. It was such a lovely um, example of, you know, it takes a village of all these people coming together to save a bird. We didn't know each other. We just all had one focus and that was to get that bird down, no matter how we did it. And you know, whoever uh, had that great idea, they were able to get the fishing line over the branch, 
pull hard enough so that the branch fell, the bird fell with it and it was knocked wow. it seemed like it was knocked unconscious but just for you know a few seconds it wasn't long and then it got very very active um we were able to uh subdue it by putting a a, a blanket on top of it and um one of the the firefighters had a lot of experience uh i believe that he was a falconer at one point and he he had a knife and very very carefully cut the 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 rope and the, the fishing line off the bird's um, leg. And that's when we discovered just how uh, how embedded it had been. Wow. So we were able to cut that that fishing um, rope and, and line off. Then what I do is then sub subdue it, which we'd already done, and then get it into my carrier and get it to the hospital. And um, it was, you know, everyone did something, even the little kids, you know, they were being like little cheerleaders and, and you know, the neighbor was videotaping the whole thing. And it was just a, a very sweet story. And I'm so happy that it ended well. And, you know, the Osprey, who we've named Sherman in honor of Great Mrs. Name. Sherman, who started the whole process, um, you know, the, the Osprey's recovering. And um, yeah, if it hadn't been for Mrs. Sherman and her powerful binoculars, you know, we wouldn't, we wouldn't have Sherman there at the hospital. He would be hanging. Local support comes from the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Corderaro. In these trying times, working full-time for their clients and the public interest, providing strong advocacy and attentive counsel, be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com 27 Speaks is brought to you by Sag Harbor Books and Southampton Books, independent bookstores located in the villages at 7 Main Street in Sag Harbor and 16 Hampton Road in Southampton. They buy books, collections, libraries, individual titles. Very easy process. They handle everything. Do you have books to sell? Call or email today or visit SouthamptonSagHarborBooks.com. Now hiring booksellers at both locations, including office positions. Mrs. Sherman left a nice message this morning. I have a new friend. Me too. Me too. I want to go meet her. <laughs> me too. Um, you know, she's 94. Wow. Wow. And she's got these awesome pair of binoculars, apparently. And, you know, she saw all the way across the bay. She, she wasn't even near the bird. How far in like distance do you think that you estimate that to be between where she was and where the bird was? Oh gosh, I'm so bad, but like as the crow flies, uh, pun intended, a uh, mile. Wow. At least. Yeah. Yeah. I think I haven't been to her house. I've only been to the the location where the where the bird was, but it's you know the 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 bay is wide there in that stretch. I mean, one of the most striking things to me about that story, among all of the other things about it that were just so amazing, was the part of the story where you guys were trying to get the bird down. You couldn't figure out what to do. Someone had the bright idea to get a fishing pole. And then this whole visual of this giant branch with the bird, the rope and everything tumbling down, the bird getting knocked out for a moment, springing back to life. And then that's when you jumped in and you, as you said in the article with your kind of key role here, which is to be the, the, the sort of the subduer and transporter of the animal. But that detail was so interesting because it really did highlight how 
how touch and go this situation was for the bird. Yeah, it really was. And another thing that we can talk about, um, I, I just thought it was such a great human interest piece, which you captured very well. Thank you. Mm. That you had people from all these diverse backgrounds. You know, people think the Hamptons, everyone's so, you know, she, she. We had volunteer firemen. We had people who lived on that street. And it is a very she, she street. Um, we had Mrs. You know Sherman, 94 years old, lived there, what did you say, since 74 or something? And um, myself, and then there were some kids running around. It was just such a group effort. I mean, we were literally standing around in the pouring rain, scratching our heads, going like, how the heck are we going to get this bird down? And, you know, just all of us throwing out ideas. And it was just such a nice story that so many people cared enough to come out on a rainy day to try and save this bird. Absolutely. You know, and one of the other um, pieces that I really enjoyed about reporting the article was that we had recently done a story a couple of weeks ago about some ospreys that did not have a very great outcome. And it was just really nice to have something in the paper. This was some birds that, were, that died in a, in a facility at the Stony Brook campus in Southampton. Um, so it was just really nice to have the... Uh, you know, the sort of counter to that, where there is actually people out there ready and willing to spring into action at, as you said in the article, at the slightest, you know, provocation or news that there is an injured animal out there needing to be rescued, as you said, whether it's a deer on the side of the road or some hatchlings or whatever. So Tom, did, did Mrs. Sherman make her first call to the paper, to you, or did she call um, the police first? I'm just wondering, you know, was it, the, was it um, how her calling the paper that kind of got everything going um, in motion? No, no. My understanding, and this came from Missy and also from Noel, was that Mrs. Sherman had made a round of phone calls out the, out the gate, trying to get someone to tune into this. Yeah. And those were to some fire agencies, um, and then I guess during that time, she also left a message with us and then ultimately um, connected with with Missy, yeah. who then was able to, um, you know, give a nudge to the fire agencies who then, of course, sprang into action when they realized just what the heck was going on here. So interesting. So do you think, Missy, would the fire department not have gone unless you're, you got involved to kind of say, you know, you really do need to come here. Like, did you need to go suss it out first before they would respond to the bird? I'm just wondering just for future reference, if people want to have like an order of operations that perhaps calling you guys first and letting you get the um, fire department or police involved as need be, does that make more sense? You know, you can do it either way. Uh, when Mrs. Sherman and I connected, she had called the rescue center, the hospital. They contacted me. Um, and I called 911 and I just said, let me preface this by saying it is not a human emergency and it may not be important to you, but it's important to Mrs. Sherman and it's important to me. Could yeah. you please help us? And I was probably crying at the time or something. <laughs> and anyway, convinced them that it was a <laughs> worthwhile, um, endeavor. And so they, they, I met them there and, uh, that's when the, the, you know, we started the actual rescue process, but you can, uh, you can call the center um, directly, but you can also call uh, the police department and they will, you know, patch you through or get you to us somehow. And like I said, we will come for any animal that you have. Do you want to give the phone number? Cause this is a really good spot to give the phone number. I know. And I'm, <laughs> it's like six, three, one, seven, two, eight. <laughs> 
Uh, wild. Isn't it wild? Wild. Yes. Thank yeah, you. See, I know that number. 631-728-WILD. W-I-L-D, which I can't tell you exactly what those numbers are. But. I can't either. I've got everything, you know, on speed dial, everything. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So we have a, a, a dispatcher there who will then uh, reach out to uh, volunteers. Whoever is available will go. Again, it wasn't particularly near to me. Uh, I, I was in uh, North Haven at the time, but it sounded urgent. So I, I, you know, picked up the phone, spoke to Mrs. Sherman, who was also in tears. And um, oh. we, we got the fire department there. And um, yeah, just a, a really nice story and such generous human beings that showed up to help this bird. Hi, this is Michael Wright. I'm a reporter for the Southampton Press, the East Hampton Press, the Sag Harbor Express, and 27East.com. I cover East Hampton Town and follow important stories about the environment, including the coming South Fork Wind Farm, its impact on the fishing industry, and other water quality issues. We follow East Hampton Town and village government, and I'm asking the tough questions and providing you with important answers. My colleagues and I in the editorial department work hard as watchdogs for this community, but we can't do it without our subscribers. If you find the work we're doing valuable to you, please subscribe by visiting 27East.com forward slash subscribe. Thank you very much. So did the bird calm down once you got it into the carrier? I always wondered, like, was it so stressed that it was like, okay, now I feel safe. Now I feel, you know, like, I just wonder what goes on a bird's mind when they're, you know, once they're re released from a situation like that, did they, do you think that the bird understood that it was in a better place and hopefully getting some help? I, I would like to believe that um, with birds, most animals, once you put a, a blanket over them, cover them, it's mm -hmm. kind of like lights out. They can't see anything, so they tend to relax. And then when I have my carrier, uh, which is a, a big um, plastic uh, container, again, it's dark in there. So they don't have any external stimuli really to uh to react to so they are calmer but boy once we got it to the hospital and took it out that bird <laughs> he was like i'm out of here i want to get out of here i i was struck in in tom's story that um um that it looked like the, i mean the bird was not emaciated so it looked like even though it had had this this rope and line on its foot it had still been able to to somehow hunt and, and catch fish because the osprey they they catch the fish with with their feet but it looked like it had been able to do that all along until it got um caught in the tree right yeah it did it did seem like it was healthy besides the the wound on the leg it wasn't suffering from malnutrition um it it did look healthy and it just unfortunately got snagged up on mm. that dead branch and uh you know best no. what's its prognosis now i mean with the injury to the to the leg it's been a few days now is has it been evaluated is it going to be released at some point do you think or is it going to need care um they're still i think they said guardedly optimistic so um you know fingers crossed and what we do when we release the animals we take them back to the neighborhood where we found them mm. so hopefully you'll be able to tom you'll be Thank able you. to cover when we do the release and uh, we'll get cameras there it's it's a remarkable thing it's the best part of doing animal rescues when you get to release the animal back into the wild now missy would it be fair to refer to you in any future stories as the bird whisperer 
<laughs> um, yes, of course. I, I've done a couple of other Osprey. You you uh, had one on the cover of the East Hampton Press, uh, another uh, Osprey rescue that I did. Um, but uh, I think most of what I personally do are deer. Mm. And where does this save, this rescue stand in your 20 plus years volunteering in the pantheon of rescues at the center? Is this like top, easily top, top one or have there been some others that are kind of contenders? Um, this, just because of the amount of people involved and the, um, just the generosity of the people, it, it was, it's definitely like top and top one or two. Yeah, wow. absolutely. And and it was pretty um, harrowing. It, it was touch and go. We did not know if we were going to be able sure. to put this bird down. Yeah. We even thought at one point, like if we could get a sharpshooter to shoot the branch at a, a, a oh, certain man. angle to break it, but that that was a <laughs> that, that was going to be a little bit yeah, further down the list of potential options for doing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I asked him. I said, "Don't you have one of those? Like, I'll climb up the tree, which was impossible. But do you have one of those trampolines that?" <laughs> they you know so if i fall you can catch me oh my and god as the fireman said missy those are just in movies we yeah. don't carry them <laughs> so do, do, was there any um evaluation as far as maybe the age of the bird or the sex or any um any idea of, of either of those two things all i know is that when i took it in they uh confirmed that it was an adult but i don't know the the gender no yeah. i don't know mm. But we named it Sherman, so I guess that's a <laughs> neutral name, maybe. <laughs> that's a great name. If I ever get a dog, I'm going to put that in the list of contenders. And Missy, what do you do? Um, what is your life? What do you do when you're not um, driving around rescuing birds from trees and deers? What's your uh, other oh, life, oh, your professional life? Goodness, this is not a natural transition, but um, I was a fashion model for <laughs> most of my life. Um <laughs> So yeah, climbing up in trees is not really uh, what I'm uh, trained for. But yeah, no, I was a, a model for most of my life. And um, now I, I, I write plays, actually. So I have a lot of uh, oh, nice. you know, free time so that I can volunteer. Cool. Nice. Thanks for that. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. So um, are there tips for people? Like, do you recommend that people try to not touch wildlife when they find something in distress and immediately go to you guys? Or are there things that they should be doing? Just wondered if you have any tips for people who may come across distressed wildlife um, in uh, going forward. That's a great question. Um, a lot of times people think that they need to offer the uh, distressed animal food or water. And they, they, that, that's you know, not necessary. And I, I liken it to someone being in a car accident. You wouldn't run over and go, hey, do you want some French fries? No, you would try and get the person help. So the first thing to do is to call 728-631-WILD. Um, uh, and we can talk you through what needs to be done. But let's say you have a, a hatchling or a fledgling that's fallen out of a nest. You can get a shoe box or a small box, put a paper towel down on the bottom and put the, the bird in into the box, cover it, call us, and then we can instruct you whether it needs to be taken to the hospital or whether it can be placed back in the nest. And like I said, the mothers will not reject um, the, the, the bird once it's been put back in the nest. Also, if you see a fawn in your backyard, the mothers leave the fawns alone during the daylight hours mostly. So 
don't you can still call us but don't stress out if you if you see a fawn with no mother because that's that's intentional the mother's out you know grazing so that she can come back and feed the fawn and also fawns don't have any scent so no predators are going to be um, really? you know looking for that's them they, they just yeah yeah so okay that they're left alone um, but always call us if you have any questions just call us someone will either come by and help you or if we think that we can talk you through, um, you know, putting the, the, the fledgling back in the nest, we'll do that. But, you know, rabbits, squirrels, anything, moles. I've, I've rescued a, a mouse at one point, you know, any, anything that, that you, uh, you know, you feel might be in distress. With the exception of seals, there's a, a different facility in Riverhead and they do seals. We're not, we're not licensed to... Um, to uh, do seal rescue. Yeah. Any, and would that be also true for sea turtles and things like that? Um, is that also the Riverhead um, Foundation would sort of take that on? Yes, they would. I, I've actually never had a, we, we get a lot of turtle calls and I'm glad that you brought that up because turtles are incredibly resilient. And I've seen turtles that have been run over by cars yeah. make it. So even if you see one and you think that it's it's beyond repair, give us a call and we will come and get that turtle. There's a, 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 a turtle woman who does specifically does turtles. Also um, possum, uh, the mother, you know, they're, they're marsupials and they carry the, uh, the babies in, in their pouch. So I've rescued um, the, the mother had died, but the babies were alive. So even if you see a, a possum on the side of the road, give us a call. We'll send someone over, see if there's babies. Um, yeah, we're just, we're, we're more than happy to, to come and assist whenever we can. And see if it's playing possum because they really do that, right? <laughs> yes. I've heard that they actually do that. They pretend they're dead. Yeah. I thought that was just in the Bugs Bunny cartoons. <laughs> no, it's a good strategy. You know, yeah. dead, I'm not going to touch it. But. So do, have you guys ever had to take on like a rescuing eagles? I know we have more eagle population out here and just wondered if you've ever encountered a situation. Cause it, it does seem like people oftentimes will confuse ospreys with eagles. Um, but just wondering what the eagle situation is in terms of rescues out here. And if you've ever had to get involved in anything related to that. I personally have not uh, done any eagle rescues. I know that we had one at the center Um several months ago but unfortunately oh. it had avian flu um mm. and so did not make it and um but that's the only the only eagle rescue that i personally know of um mm. out here but yes the, the eagles are coming back and uh, just like the osprey the osprey were on the endangered list um years probably a couple of decades ago and um, that was the 70s i think yeah, yeah that was yeah, because they, of ddt using ddt yes. right Yep, exactly. Right. When I was a kid growing up um, on Long Island, there were there was a big push in the 70s and early 80s to actually build those stands for the few remaining because not only was the DDT an issue, but the habitats had been, um, you know, in some cases ruined because of development. So I recall a really big push when I was a kid um, when they were like, hey, we're going to lose the last of the ospreys on Long Island and people sprang into action and saved that population. Yeah. Getting rid of the DTT helped, I think, quite a bit, right? And then I think, uh, is it PSEG? Uh, they made a big push yep. of, of installing some of those those uh, osprey nests that you see around, like on telephone poles. They, they helped a lot with that. 
but it helps with them because it reduces the risk of of, of the birds touching live wires and, and and stuff but i think they're real happy to do that they've really promoted that over the years that they'll they'll come out and, and build those uh build those nests yeah and i think in general do you find that um do eagles like to build their nests in more private places because i think some people when they do see an, a platform or ospreys they think that they're eagles or i think there's sometimes some confusion about the the nest size but from what i understood like eagles tend to like to build their nests and first of all they're probably way bigger than any osprey nest but they also maybe tend to be in more secluded spots as opposed to ospreys which will nest right along busy roadways and things like that yeah i've never actually seen an eagle nest i, I think that they are more secretive um but the osprey yeah you you see them everywhere now and it's such a it's such a encouraging sight to see that they're coming back after you know being so close to the brink of extinction that's great how long did the rescue take how long were you guys uh out <laughs> there before the before the fishing line actually actually worked um wow probably maybe over an hour i, I i'm not wow. sure i you know you, your brain goes into kind of like autopilot you know focusing on sure. one thing um so i don't know an hour two hours i i i don't know like i said i dropped the bird off at uh 6 and um it had been up there since at least 10 so the bird was exhausted but still feisty still feisty and the homeowners weren't actually home so you were probably in these people's backyard dealing with this right or i know there's no homeowner <laughs> they probably came home and like what <laughs> happened here we're gonna look out for a police report next week about this homeowners return branch everywhere what happened to our house exactly but it is encouraging that the that the that they would send two fire trucks not just one out to help in that situation i think i think people often wonder it's like well this isn't a big enough deal for them to come out or you know they're so busy and all that so it's it's i don't know it really kind of restores your faith in people's interest in helping wildlife there was also a jurisdictional issue in that that arose with this i believe that it was a question of which agency was it southampton or bridgehampton that was the lead agency that was what dylan uh emailed me about yesterday and so i guess rather than you know whatever they decided well we're all just, we'll all just show up rather than fight over it they, they both, both show up right yeah no, it's good to know. Awesome. You know, it takes a takes a, a village, takes a community. It takes That's a really great. long ladder too, Bill. Yeah, <laughs> apparently, setting a fishing pole or a fishing pole. So. so that that's one of the lessons. Always carry your fishing pole with you when you when you go. Oh, just to sort of raise the other, you know, kind of uh, public outreach message that I did include in the article. Not only um, insofar as what Missy said about protocols for, um, you know, calling if you see any animal, um, but also for the public. Um, you know, when you're walking down the beach, bring that trash bag and look out for those tangled, you know, heaps of mm. fishing line that are oftentimes wrapped up with, you know, rope and hooks and all the rest of it and do your part and, um, mm. you know, stick it in a bag and bring it off the beach because each one of those is a potential, uh, you know, other osprey getting tangled up. And there isn't always going to be a Judith Sherman on the case to save the day. So and also those pesky balloons that always find their way. It's just crazy. Yes, the balloons, the, the yeah. ribbons on the balloons are particularly attractive to birds yeah. because they're, they're, you know, they're brightly colored and they're thin and, you know, they, they cut Ooh. up the, the insides of a bird. So, yeah, it's, it's so it's, it's actually a relaxing um, thing to do is just get your trash bag, walk up and down the beach, pick up some trash and, uh, you know, do a good deed. 
okay all right we'll give the we'll give the uh the phone number once more um 631-728-WILD w-i-l-d that's 9453 for for our non-spelling friends oh there you go thank you for looking <laughs> well you know us we journalists don't do math and anything with numbers is math so i'm going i'm going with the word 631-728-WILD um so give missy or the other volunteers a call and um they'll come out and they'll help you with whatever wild animal issues you might have in your backyard yeah. thank you guys for having me on it, it, it's really helpful to get the word out and you know we are not federally funded we are you know completely by donations so it, it I, I really appreciate you getting the word out well and, and thank you for for all that you do missy it's nice to it's heartening to know that that there are people out out there like you that are, are taking care of uh, the wildlife in need Twenty Seven Speaks is sponsored by the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Corderaro. Strong advocacy and attentive counsel. Be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com. Thank you for listening. Join us again next week to hear what's news on the East End. Our interlude flute music is by Allison O'Reilly. Our opening and closing theme music is Boysdale Blues, written and performed by the incomparable Judy Carmichael. Listen to Judy's weekly show, Jazz Inspired, airing on an NPR station near you, or go to jazzinspired.com. 27 Speaks is a weekly podcast produced by the Express News Group, which includes the Southampton Press, the East Hampton Press, the Sag Harbor Express, 27east.com, and sacharborexpress.com Find us on the websites or subscribe through Apple Podcasts.